All right, bradcooney.com. I'd like to welcome in Guitar Shredder, Xander Demas. What is up, man? Not much. How about yourself, sir? I'm doing real good, man. All right, so check it out. I interviewed uh, Russ Dwarf not too long ago from Killer Dwarf. So we had uh, Bobby Blitz from Overkill was in and Joey Allen from Warrant. I had him in uh, about a month ago or so. And um, just started dabbling around. Yeah, yeah. Normally, I've been I interview fighters, boxers, mixed martial artists. But here in the last uh, few months, I've been venturing off into the music world. And Lita Ford, Lita Ford was another one I had on my podcast. And um, and once I started hitting these interviews with musicians, I started getting some some good feedback. And and I was I was reached out by somebody who wanted to get you on board. Did a little research, listened to your stuff, man. I'm just blown away, man. Talk about your guitar career a little bit and how you got started in this thing. Um, actually, you know, can you repeat the last question? Because we have to come there for a second. I'm yeah, sorry. no, no, no worries. I was just, I was just uh, kind of leading you up to giving us an explanation as to how you got started in the, in the guitar world. Um, well, uh, I started playing 30 years ago, um, but I was never really, you know, I wasn't trying to, quote, unquote, you know, do anything with, you know, my career at the time. I always thought it would have been, been nice to have been discovered if that would have happened, but, you know, nothing like that ever happened yet. So, um, uh, you know, it was only up until about five or six years ago that I really kind of took it seriously, and I wanted to do something with it. And um, so uh, using uh, the services of my manager, who's a great guy, uh, Mike Stover, MTS Management, um, he got me kind of pointed in the right direction, said, this is what you need to do to start getting out there, and... You know, I can, you know, I can kind of do things when you don't have the time to do it. And, uh, he, we just made a really good team and he's helped me out immensely. And I've, you know, met some really great people in the industry. And, um, you know, I, I hope it's just, uh, I hope it's just, I'm just in the beginning, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Now, you're from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I believe, Pittsburgh area anyway. Um, have, have you been jamming the Pittsburgh circuit for, for quite a while or do you play across the country as well? Um, well, actually a little bit of everything, but I mean, I do play the Pittsburgh circuit too. Um, the Pittsburgh circuit, as far as the original music goes, it's, it's, it's a pretty hard road because, um, there's, there, we do have some support from the radio stations and all that kind of stuff, but, um, you still, I mean, I, it's just like, I think any other little, like, big city, like, Pittsburgh's a small city, but, like, you know, big cities like Miami and Chicago and LA and New York, you know, um, you really have to kind of get out there. Um, and, and push yourself because there's just, you know, obviously more people, there's more bands, and it seems like in Pittsburgh there's just like a lot of bands, mm. you know, <laughs> and sometimes mm-hmm. we don't have a supportive um, local music scene where people are like, eh, I just want to go see a cover band, and, and that's why I played in cover bands for like a long time too, because at least we got me out there, and every once in a while I was able to uh, convince, you know, a few um, bands that I was playing with if we were doing all covers, you know, to play some original stuff, and um, that at least got some things out there, and it's funny because nobody ever came up and said, oh, wow, I just love the way you guys do these cover songs, but if we do an original in there, and we say it was an original, people are like, dude, you guys need to play more originals. Mm. You know, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's kind of a good point, too. So I decided that to um, step away from all of the cover uh, band aspects that I played with and uh, just doing, I, besides the Sabbath, the Sabbath tribute band that I'm in, because this national will play all over the place, and that's mm-hmm. what James Rivera from Hellstar um, but my solo band, uh, simply called Xander Dima, basically we get out and we open up for nationals and we're, we're now just starting to get on tour dates together to actually get out of uh, Pittsburgh and play some other places. 
and that's where it starts, man. And then I think it's great. And I, I, there's a lot of cover bands out there that I love, uh, some Pink Floyd tribute bands and, and Zeppelin tribute bands that I've seen over the years. But at the end of the day, I think if you do want to break it big and get your your music and what you what you're writing out there to the masses, it's all about original work. Um, and I've asked this question to guys like Joey Allen from Warrant and and Bobby Blitz from Overkill. What is it that's different about them? Why did they get discovered as opposed to a lot of really hardworking musicians that do not? And the general consensus, most of them say, it's just because very, very hard work, you know, and something a little bit different, you know, bringing something a little bit different than everybody else. Do you think that's fair to say what you need to do? Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good point. I mean, I think that some bands like, like Warren, like that, I mean, I think they might have had the, uh, uh, you know, the luxury of geography, you know. At, in Los Angeles, right. You know, and, and not to mention the fact that they came around later. I mean, they were, you know, they were, they were a great band. They were, um, they, they wrote some really good songs with some catchy hooks and stuff, and the musicianship was really, you know, really good. Um, but I also think they weren't like the, they weren't the first. No, 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 they weren't yeah, the like pioneers. They the late 80s, so, so they were, I think they were like at the top of the heat, of the discovery pile at that point. Um, so they, like, again, I think they had, they had the luxury of geography. But at the same time, they also put out quality products. Right. I mean, some people, you know, whether you like, you know, if you didn't like hair metal, or you only like the British heavy metal, or if you only like, like, death thrash metal or something like that. I mean, I respect, like, all forms of it. And, um, mm-hmm. and because I did get associated with a lot of hair metal stuff, because, I write my, like, poppier, melodic stuff, uh, even though it's, like, tinged with a lot of, like, heavy shred stuff. Um, you know, it's, I, I, I like to, I like the, the, the cross, the cross-pollination that I'm doing with, uh, with music, because now, um, I went from being an instrumental guy, mostly instrumental guy, which is a much harder road, which just answers your question better. Mm. Uh, growing up mostly instrumental is a much harder road to go now. Um, and I, as a vocalist, who is phenomenal, and now we get to do everything. We can do kind of anything we want, you know, in the music world. Because, you know, now we have to build that vocals and it reaches an audience that's not just interested in seeing four guys like wanking around on their instruments. You know, we're actually creating songs now. I mean, like songs that, you know, people can, um, uh, you know, relate to a little bit better. And, um, so that I means, but the thing with, with me was, you know, trying to sell myself was I was writing songs that were instrumental. Like if you lifted out the, guitar melody, melody lines, you could easily drop like a vocal line in there, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, that was kind of like the goal for my writing. Um, but now it's, now we're kind of like, we take a, a turn into the world of like, almost like prog rock, mm. prog metal, you know, with, with a new version of my band and stuff. But I mean, so I think what that might say, answer your question saying, um, uh, we have to do something a little bit different. I, I think we are actually, I think we are doing something a little bit different here. Yeah, I, you know, I, I listened to probably two or three of your videos. I watched a couple of your videos, and I hear some. I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I hear I hear some a little Ingve Malmsteen. I hear a little Steve Vai. Um, you know, this little Joe Satriani. A little bit, a little bit, all that mixed up in a bottle, and, and, and we get your product, which is a little bit different, though. I, that's why I think you got a real good shot here, because although I can hear the influences, I mean, who, there's not really any musicians out there where you can't hear, yeah, you know, influences, you know? Yeah, and that's, and that's good, because that's kind of what I'm going for. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, there, there is a little bit of, like, the, the Yngwie vocal version, mm-hmm. you know, like, not so much the Yngwie instrumental stuff, because he and I are, like, totally different. But definitely, like, the Yngwie vocal style is kind of 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I do kind of approach some of the songwriting the way Steve Vai does, too. Um, so that's a compliment, I and mean, I, appreciate, I appreciate the comparison there. Yeah, yeah. Steve Vai is one of my favorite. The guy's just unbelievable. Um, all right, so you hooked up with CJ Snare of Firehouse. I read that, and you got this CD, Guitar Cadia, man. Talk about that. Um, so uh, Guitar Cadia was uh, an album I was conceiving probably like four or five years ago um, as far as like the name, you know, and everything was going to go. And, um, you know, came up with all the stuff. He kind of sit around and, you know, just figured, okay, I want to get this album done. So what did I start doing? Well, I basically, I had a whole bunch of tunes that I had written and just recorded on either, you know, four or eight tracks, you know, uh, you know, or whatever, um, somewhere along the line. And then about 2010, I got really, really disciplined in creating this, uh, creating the CD. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I invested in some, you know, some good, um, digital audio workstation stuff, you know, preamps, things like that, microphones. Uh, I really started honing my recording skills down, uh, again. And, um, I decided to go and um, pull all these songs together. Uh, like, for example, the song White Knuckle Driving was actually an old progressive metal tune that I had with a band from the mid-90s. And I just pirated, like, the riffs out of it. And, hmm. and I, want to say, I want to say pirate. I mean, I wrote the song, so it was just yeah. me taking a song that it used to be 11 minutes long, and they're right. down into five, you know. And uh, so then uh, in March of 2011, um, CJ had advertised on Facebook that he was, um, that he was uh, going to be doing uh, offering his mixing engineering services for for bands, and he and I were already friends on there. Like I friend requested him like six months prior and stuff. Mm-hmm. And finally, um, you know, I just sent him a message. I said, definitely interested. You know, love to uh, catch up and uh, or meet you know meet up and talk about it. He he got a hold of me about a minute later, and we just uh, exchanged numbers, and mm-hmm. from there on out, we just we built our built our working relationship, and he's. Uh, He's a great guy, and he's doing my next album. So, oh, awesome! Yeah, he's doing the next one, and I'm really excited because you know he just his his touch was exactly what I wanted when I when I listened to the end product of what Jeff yes, did. Now, what are some of the things he said when he first heard you play? I'm I'm, I'm interested in hearing that. Um, yeah, CJ gave me. I mean, I think you know he's he's not going to sit there and pump too much sunshine around. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, he, he he was very complimentary. Um, he Good. basically, I mean, one of the nicest compliments he gave me, he, he said, "Hey, dude, he's like, I gotta tell you something. He's like, some people got it and some people want it. You know, and he's talking about like the ability to play. Mm-hmm. He goes, dude, you've got it. That's great. He's like now it's just up to you. He's like now it's just up to you to do whatever you want with it. And I was like, whoa, when he went, when he said that to me, it, I mean, it really it, it like made my it made my week, not just my day, but it was just. Yeah, it you is. Know, because I was such a such a huge firehouse fan, still am. Yeah, know? me too. So to yeah, so to hear that from him, um, and plus you know he was really cool about it. He wasn't like very reclusive about our relationship. You know, like working together. Like he he said, hey, you know, like he would run across somebody who he thought might be interested, and he'd say, hey, check out Xander. You know, I, I I did the album, but check out this guy's playing, and you know, and he, he just you know he helped out with the contacts there. Like he he kind of engineered getting into. Uh, me getting on the Liberty and Justice double CD. I did a solo for one of the songs with uh, Jerry Dixon from Warrant. He's playing bass on it, mm-hmm. and um, and I got to do uh, I got to do a track on that album. It's nice, it's nice to be a part of that. And I think you know CJ he engineered the whole album. And I think it's you know part of that was uh, with his involvement. So yeah, I mean he's um, you know very complimentary and uh, for me to who respects him for what the past twenty 
some years now. You know, to hear that from him, it really meant a lot. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I can imagine. So, now you've also um, you mentioned that you worked with uh, Jerry Dixon. Um, talk about this uh, experience with uh, George Lynch, and uh, of course of Dokken, who got when I was in the Navy back in the eighties. I used to jam to Dokken. Um, also, Jeff Labar from Cinderella. I mean, how, how are all these things happening? That's a big difference now with today's musicians as opposed to the 80s and early 90s is the internet changes a lot of things as far as the music industry goes. Um, talk about White Knuckle Driving. This is a, your song I read in one of the press releases that is getting some nice play and gotten some nice play over in the UK and Europe, around the world, in fact. Um, that, that's nice, huh? see your career a year from now man or where do you want to be happy where you are now obviously every musician or athlete or actor that i ever talked to they always say they'd, they'd like to be further of course but where do you see yourself a year from now with your music career Absolutely. 
That's what, you know, you follow your passion, you know. Um, all right, so let's say there's a kid out there who's 12 or 13 years old and he, and he got his first guitar. Give me some advice that you can share with that young man or young lady. Um, what, what, what would you tell them? I mean, how, how can they reach the, the optimal level of guitar playing? interesting now how much practice should someone do per day um i mean is, is there too much is there such thing as too much practice where you can get burnout or is there just sky's the limit you can just practice what you want no no there, there, I, in my experience i mean i'm only saying this is for me sure there, there is a limit there, there's an absolute limit mm-hmm. um i don't i don't at this day and age i mean in the add generation and everything else i don't think that a lot of people can devote eight hours a day to playing guitar unless you're basically doing it for a living. And um, and even then, sometimes, I mean, I've ran into pro guitar players and quote-unquote rock stars, but they say, oh, dude, I haven't picked up my guitar in two weeks. I mean, I believe that, you know. Sometimes that, that kind of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And, um, but in, uh, in reality, I think that, um, uh, that most of the, you know, if you discipline yourself about an hour a day, and really, if you say, hey, look, I'm just going to work on my picking today, just work on your picking, then you've accomplished something. If you say, I'm just going to work on my legato today or my tapping, then you don't work on that. And don't try to play everything fast. For the love of God, do not try to play everything quick right mm-hmm. on the gate because it sounds stupid when you finally do get the speed because that's called muscle memory. And then your muscles, and it's harder for your muscles to go back and, and think about the right notes as opposed to 
is this such, is there such thing as somebody just never being able to play guitar? I mean, some people got it, like you said before, uh, that the firehouse uh, guy from firehouse gave you that compliment. Um, you got it. Um, some you know, like some people will never be ice hockey players. Some people will never be baseball players. Same thing in music. Some people just never be guitarists. Um, I, I think everybody can play guitar. I think there's just some people, some people might struggle, you know, going to the next level, mm. any level of any level of like a natural ability. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've I've, I've, met a, I've met a guitar player who's been playing for 25 years, and um, he's a great player for certain kinds of music. But when he tries to bridge the gap into like metal and all that kind of stuff, he's, he embarrasses himself. <laughs> and, I mean, he, yeah. he even says that he's like, I can't figure out why I can't jump this hurdle, you know. Mm. And um, and it was just it was kind of uh, yeah. So I think that sometimes you know there there might be that that thing that just kind of goes off in your head where I, I think that your brain has to trick you or whoever into feeling that like, this is natural. You know, like for me, if I was playing jazz guitar right now, it wouldn't feel natural to me. I'd, I'd be thinking about it too much. Right, right. You know, for me, rock and pop and all that kind of stuff just kind of flows a little easier. But how good is Stanley Jordan? I haven't either, but but I remember in the nineties when I was in you know early nineties, I was going to college up in New York, and and that's when Alan Holdsworth was even more popular back then too. But Stanley Jordan, he had like that two hand technique thing that I remember seeing. That's crazy stuff. Yeah, he yeah he was nuts. I mean, he just is an amazing, amazing player. Yeah, man. All right, so also you like animals, man. Off the guitar thing, I read that you're an avid animal lover, as I, as I am, um, and you do some things. You raise money for the uh, ASPCA and things like that? Yeah, through, through the sales of my album, I basically go through and I um, uh, uh, I donate a dollar from every album sale. Cool. Um, yeah, so it's, I mean, it's just a nice thing to do, and I mean, it's, a, it's a cause I believe in, so, um, so I'm pretty... Yeah, I'm pretty adamant about that. Good stuff, man. All right, so projects you got coming up. Talk about that before I let you go. Anything right around the corner? Or any tours? Um, you know, I know we mentioned the CD, but anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up? Sure. Um, and so right now, uh, I got the Nam show coming up this week. I'm looking forward to getting out there. Um, uh, I've got. I was uh, lucky enough to be invited to the Nam Jam in Hollywood. I'll be playing with uh, Michelangelo Batio, um, Dave Reffitt. Um, uh, Neil Turley from Death Rogers and Anthrax, oh, as well wow. as the girls from the Iron Maidens and a few other bands. So, awesome. Um, I'll be, yeah, I'll be playing a song, with, a song or two with those guys. Um, and then I'll be doing some booth appearances at the, at the damn show. Uh, I might be playing in the Floyd Rose booth, actually, it sounds like. I might be playing there because I just recently became an artist for them. Oh, nice. Um, and, uh, so, uh, so I got that, and then, um, starting in February, we're doing a couple of weekend tours. We're getting out on, uh, in the third week in February down to Baltimore and then out to Altoona. And we'll be back for another show on, the, on Saturday in Pittsburgh. And then after that, we're looking at March and April. Um, about four weekends of those two months, I think we'll put some other tour dates together. So we're just trying to get on, um, like double bill with some uh, national bands that might be coming through certain areas. Um, and, uh, we're just, you know, take it from there, see what happens. Good stuff, man. Well, what about website? Is there a website people can buy your record at? Um, Twitter, Facebook, such as that? Yeah, if you go to xanderdemus.com, you can get to all of the social media okay. uh, stuff that I have. And uh, it's not very easy to find because my name is kind of unique. You just, you know, X A N 
MLS.com, um, or just if you Google my name, you'll you'll see the website as well as a lot of other sites that I'm on and stuff. So it's uh, I'm, I'm I'm pretty easy to stalk and all that stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, man. All right, great stuff, man. Give me some closing thoughts for all the music fans out there, Xander. I'm sorry. I said, give me some closing thoughts. Clo- closing thoughts for all the music fans. Closing thoughts for music fans. Um, uh, wow. I don't think anyone's ever asked for closing thoughts. Um, <laughs> keep music alive. Keep music alive. Support local music. You know. Um, uh, so wherever you are, I mean, if, if you hear a band that's going out and doing originals, you know what? Just go check them out. I mean, they'll they'll appreciate it. And one day you can, if they make it big, you can say, hey man, I saw the one up there in front of ten people. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just, just for the music fans out there, uh, also, I, I encourage them to be open-minded as well, because I just kind of got into a little situation with somebody who has been around for years and years, and, um, just, long story short, it was, it's just the kind of thing where, you know, there's, there's other coming artists like me and, and, uh, and other people, like, all over the place, I just, I encourage people to just say, hey, look, just, you know, this guy's doing things that sound like they should have come out 25 years ago, but he's a brand new guy, and, and we're a brand new girl, and we're digging it. So just, uh, you know, be, be open-minded as well because, you know, the, the hard rock and metal community is never going to die. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's like my, my thought for the day or encouragement for the day is to just embrace embrace the new generation that's coming out. Yeah, good stuff, man. I always say, man, the day people stop hating on me is the day I'll get worried. Because if they're hating on you, that means you're doing something good. You're doing something right. Right, or you're basically, you're, you know, you stand up, you know, for what you believe in. Yeah, man. Hey, I appreciate you talking to me, man. Good luck to your, uh, to you and your career. We'll be following you, man. We're going to get you back on the podcast as, as new projects come up. Um, I really appreciate your time, man.